Um, so, as I said, my name is Daniel and this is Emily. We are the pastors of this church. Um, and we're going to do a little bit of a change from the normal format today, if that's okay. So normally, uh, when we get together, we have these bits. Um, I'll say stuff and then you guys will talk to each other and then you'll talk to me and we have a, a bit of a two-way conversation. Um, but today, at the beginning of a new term, uh, we wanted to just kind of share very much with you guys what's on our hearts and what we feel like God has been saying to us uh, as leaders and as a leadership team over the last couple of months about the vision and the direction of Gloucester Vineyard Church over the next two years. So hopefully what we share today will resonate with you guys. Um, but yeah, just to say it's a bit of a break from the normal format. So just forgive us for this week. Normal service will... I'm going to talk at you. Yeah, we're going to talk at you. So that sounds like great fun, doesn't it? Um, so before we do, really quick show of hands. Who managed to get away over summer at all somewhere? Did everybody get to kind of do something? Yeah, most people managed to kind of get away and do something. That's exciting. Well, we were very lucky. We got to go to Cornwall. And Cornwall is fabulous. Um, but it lacks one very important thing. Um, and that is reliable phone signal. Can I get an amen? Yeah? Okay, so everyone's experienced that. Uh, it's not uncommon to find yourself in Cornwall in a complete signal black spot. Now, sometimes that can be quite nice. If you're on holiday, it's nice to not be able to be reached by everybody. It's, it can be quite nice to be off-grid. But sometimes it can be a massive pain. Like, for example, if you're driving down a road and you happen to be a child of this generation, so there is no map in the car, and you are completely reliant on the sat-nav and you're completely at its mercy, and then all of a sudden the signal goes and the road ahead is closed. And you're like, wow, 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 where am I? And there's no diversions. So what do you do in that circumstance? You have to turn around and go back to the last turning and turn off. And like, you're tapping the phone like, a, like, I don't know. You can't find your way back. And you just kind of, it's amazing how, how long you can go on like that, isn't it? And kind of trying to find your way back bumbling around like that. Um, in short, it's pretty easy to get knocked off course, to get lost, but to keep going anyway, even though you're lost, in hopes of finding your way back. And in many ways, um, there is there's quite a lot of similarity to that situation and leading a church for the last couple of years. Um, before the pandemic hit, um, we felt like there was quite a clear and exciting path ahead of us. Um, we felt quite confident about where we were going, um, what God had asked us to do, and we were going for it. Um, we thought that we could see the next couple of years ahead of us. And then COVID came, and that road closure appeared, didn't it? Um, and we had to switch things up um, as a church, just like everyone else did. Um, we had to stop, we had to turn around, we had to find a different way forward. And we're really, we're really chuffed to have done that with a lot of you guys. Um, we had a lot of fun. Um, we did go online and we did various courses for people to get to know Jesus more. Um, folks who would otherwise have been slightly less engaged were more because it was suddenly more accessible. Um, and we did stuff for key workers and refugees um, and it was a really wonderful time, albeit not the direction that we thought we were going to go in. Um, but with the pandemic now behind us, yes, um, we are, we've returned to normal. And in many ways, over the last few months, um, we as um, the pastors of this church and as the leadership team, we've just felt a little bit like we have been in that car. Like we hit that closed road with no diversion, no phone signal, and we had to reroute. Um, but that now is the time for us to get 
back on track. Um, we want to remember where we are heading. Um, and what we found is that um, as a church who wants to see God's kingdom come, it is really easy to just crack on and do churchy stuff and do things. Um, and it's really easy to be doing all of the stuff and not really sure um, that it is what God has specifically for us. And so today we just wanted to share with you um, the process we as a leadership team have been going through for the last handful of months. Yes, so it's been a process of going back to God, uh, revisiting some of the story of the church and why we planted the church in the first place, uh, reflecting on the lessons that we learned over COVID and just kind of seeing the opportunities that are available to us now and to ask, where are we going? What are we doing? Why does this community exist? Um, and what do we want to see as the fruit of it? And really to ask, what is God's vision and assignment for this church? Where should we be focusing our attention? Where should we be focusing our time and our resources? What is the piece of the puzzle that we look to play alongside the other churches in Gloucestershire to see God's kingdom coming in our county at this time? And we've been going through this process of re-articulating this as a team. And so we've got some, what we think is really exciting stuff to share with you today. And we hope that you will agree. Um, some of it may sound familiar. For some of you guys, it'll be the first time you've heard any of it. But really, I hope that all of us will find this a really helpful moment of refocusing and recommitting ourselves. Um, it's a kind of a moment to look at the map, to remember why we got in the car in the first place, and to ask ourselves, what's my part to play in that? Um, but before we do that bit, we wanted to share something with you because uh, we've had quite a lot of fun with this process as well. And we didn't want to do this without kind of involving you guys in the fun of it as well. So what we did as a leaders team is we kind of prayerfully cast our imaginations forward and we asked God to show us what he wants our church to look like in the next couple of years. Um, so each of the leaders of the church went away. We spent some time with God. We prayed about it. And we kind of brought ourselves to it. And what we did is we wrote stories of two years' time, five years' time. It's a Sunday, an average Sunday in Gloucester Vineyard Church. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What kind of things do we see? Um, and we wanted to share a little bit of that process with you because each of the leaders brought something completely different. Um, but it was all kind of beautiful and wonderful. And so what we've done is we've asked um, Phil and Hannah, who are part of the leaders' team, to kind of condense everything that we kind of said together uh, into a story uh, for us. So Phil and Hannah have recorded it because Hannah's out in kids' church at the moment, but we wanted to share this with you because we think, I think it kind of engages us at an emotional level, and I hope that you agree. So here we go. Fire away. It's September 2024. The world has changed, but not very much. Climate change is still a thing. COVID was like, so 2019. And nobody talks about it anymore. The SNP failed in their bid for an independent Scotland. Everyone thought, 24 sounded like a nasty infection and indicated on the ballot slips that they would not like to have it. Generally, the world is a more optimistic place owing to Liz Truss solving the energy crisis in her first week in office. It, other news, Gloucestershire Vineyard Church is thriving. It's Sunday morning, a Sunday like any other. We are early so that Hannah can set up for the kids' church. Still, we bagged the last space in the car park. There were so many people here to help and so few parking spaces. Lots of hands means that nobody finds these mornings a chore 
so it's probably worth the inconvenience. I noticed Trev hanging around outside the entrance as usual, demolishing a donut and coffee from the refreshment team. He starts spinning me a yarn about how he invented custard creams in his youth. His face is far too close to mine, and I am peppered with sugary morsels. Story finished, gives the kids a wink, and lumbers off to repeat his story to the next person who will listen. Trev is always here on a Sunday. He never comes into the service, only for the food and the company that are here in abundance. I did hear that he had started attending a home group, again, just for the food and the company, but he's always welcomed and brings with him a prayer request for his growing list of ailments. We step into the church and are greeted with a noise best described as a hyena arguing heatedly with a donkey. It's just Doris laughing at one of her jokes again. Doris is amazing. Her face shaped by decades of smiling and laughing at her own rotten jokes. She literally brightens every room with the light reflected from her dazzling white hair, which seems to rise from her head like a cumulonimbus cloud. On seeing me enter the building, she immediately cuts short the conversation she was having and makes a beeline for me. She is not happy with the result of Wednesday's quiz. She begins to berate me about Pluto being a planet. It's always been a planet. How I couldn't go changing it, and a dwarf planet is still a planet anyway. It's in a name, isn't it? Mike cautiously joins the conversation. For some reason, he is terrified of Doris. Doris knows this well and thoroughly enjoys teasing him. Mike has been coming for a week, for a while now. He first found financial freedom from his crippling debts through CAP and went on to find spiritual freedom when he turned up to one of our alpha sessions and found out what all this Christian stuff is actually about. Mike wants to talk Super Sunday. It's next weekend. Normally, the church does Super Sundays in smaller groups, each group trying to serve the needs of their local community. Mike lives in the centre of Gloucester and has been organising a monthly bicycle workshop where he and his team invite the refugees living nearby to come for a tune-up. They've been surprised at how it's taken off, both with donations of bikes, equipment and the support from local businesses. Since bikes are the only means of transport our refugees have, been really well received and appreciated by the refugee community. Next week though, he tells me he wants to get a group along to the GBC community allotment as the bumper crop of marrows is taking over the place. Usually he would have an eager group of student helpers, but a bunch of them are away at Vineyard Student Camp. It has done Mike a world of good to spend time with the students, their hearts captivated by God's way. Doris eagerly offers Mike some helpers and begins reeling off her family recipe for marrow chutney. Assuming that Doris will be bending Phil's ear at length, me and the kids turn to make a hasty escape to the church hall so we can get set up for kids' church. We are blocked by a caterpillar of tweenies carrying various bits of computery gubbins to the front, presumably AV equipment for the service. The miscellaneous kit is covered in buttons and lights and twoggles, is that a word? And such, and so draws in Ezra like a vicar to sacrament. Ezra peels off to help with the setup, leaving me and Helena to pick through the crowd. The mood in the church has raised since we arrived and can best be described as fizzy. We weave through bubbles of people not only chatting but praying and sharing words of encouragement with each other. The general hubbub and buzz seems to give off a static. God is here among the people and I feel excited to be part of an honest community of people living life to the full wholeheartedly for Jesus. 
With such a palpable sense of, pre of the presence of God, I want to stop and bathe in it, but I drag myself away. It's a corker of a kids' church session I have planned and set up is required. On entering the hall, I find myself suddenly surrounded by dozens of babies, dozens, uh, with mothers attached to them. Vibes are joining us today to feedback on the success of the baby bank, which is not as Phil thinks a place where you can deposit your baby and leave them to mature for 18 years at 2% above the Bank of England base rate. That's a long sentence. Instead, it is a point where local families can come and pick up some of the ever-increasing list of kit that parents need for their babies. It's a real blessing for some of the struggling families in our community. Without having to worry about so much about all the stuff, these parents are more free to socialise, enjoy being a parent and get involved in some of the exciting things that our church community are doing. I noticed that the setup for Kids Church has already been done. I'm thinking it was most likely done by Brittany when I see her approaching me, absolutely beaming. A smile so contagious that even a traffic warden could catch it. A smile that only comes through an absolute surety that she is loved and valued and nothing she or any traffic warden could do or say could take that away from her. The kind of smile that we have seen spreading across more and more faces in our church. She tells me that she was praying for me in the prayer meeting this morning and she just had an overwhelming and powerful sense of love and joy and just wanted me to know how ridiculous and immense God's love is for me. We're both smiling and crying at this point, but since she'd already set up for kids' church, we decided to go and grab a coffee and a cake and have a good catch-up. Problem solved, and being super intimidated by Doris, Mike slowly backs away and melts into the crowd of people who started gathering in the church. Doris trots off to rejoin the rest of the Silver Brigade and lets out a laugh that seems to vibrate every glass in the building. I look around for Hannah and the kids. They've long since disappeared to do the setting up of the kids' church, so I look around for Daniel and Emily. I wanted to talk to them today because they'd asked me to write a 2026 20, vision story despite my 2024 vision story being more than a little bit ageist, peppered with pointless and unfunny jokes, and just a meandering stream of consciousness that didn't really go anywhere. I remember that Daniel and Emily are not here today. Every other week, they do a service at the small hall in Gloucester Old Boys Rugby Club. The service is run for our Spanish-speaking refugees who are part of our church family. The service is in English, and the songs are sung in Spanish. It's a small gathering, but beautiful. Having the songs in Spanish really makes them feel at home. And the whole thing helps with their English speaking. I really love going to those services. Every time there's just such an overwhelming sense of love and peace. Doris is often there as well. It turns out that she speaks fluent Spanish and sings like an angel playing the bagpipes. Mostly, Doris goes because there are a number of older kids that attend. And she's always trying to convince them to come along to the youth group that she runs out of the Kingfisher Church on a Wednesday evening. I told you, Doris is an absolute legend. Anyway, Daniel and Emily aren't here today, so I find myself a seat. The service is going to start soon. If I don't sit down now, I'll be standing again like last week. We're going to need a bigger building at this rate. Popping an organic, vegan, fair trade, carbon neutral, homemade cake into my pocket for later, I head back over to the church. I pass into the church behind a young family. I don't recognise them and they are shuffling in rather gingerly. 
they must be new. While I am still deciding if they are new or not, and before they have taken three cautious steps into the church, they are welcomed like old friends by Mike. They soon have cake and coffee in hand and are smiling and chatting with him. I have to wait until after the service to meet them. That Mike is a speedy one. I briefly reflect on the transformation in Mike's life. God is so good. Phil has saved me a seat. I look around for the kids as I sit down. They're waiting at the front, keen to share with the church about what God has been doing this week. The service is starting and a hush descends over the people. Mike's teenage daughter, Alice, stands at the front. She opens with a beautiful prayer. Everything in GVC is a prayer sandwich, bookended with prayer. It sets the tone for the service, inviting the presence of God, and we come each week knowing that Holy Spirit will meet with us. Alice asks people to share what God's been doing this week, and a cluster of folk join those already at the front to share their news. Not everyone has had the best week, and some are sharing their difficulties. We stand and pray with those having good times, and we stand and pray with those having bad times. And we know that God stands with us. The mother of the new family that Mike welcomed joins Alice at the front and shares a little of her week. I smile as I remember how we were welcomed into GVC and love that this new family feels welcome and comfortable enough to take the mic within 10 minutes of being here. How could they not? It only takes 10 minutes here to feel like you are home. Okay, there you go. Sorry. All right. Uh, how much do you want to be part of that church? Yes. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. I should have said amen. Um, I really love that process of putting all of these ideas together, creating a story. We'll pop it in the weekly email as well so you can listen back to it again um, in your leisure. Um, but why don't we just spend 30 seconds um, just shouting out the bits of that story that resonated with us. Was there anything that you went, oh, yes, Doris and her white hair that rose like a cloud, or like the youth group or whatever, anybody brave enough to shout out what resonated? Fixing bikes, absolutely. Super Sunday fixing bikes. Okay. Big student population, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Living life together, yeah, sharing good and bad. One more. The baby bank, absolutely. Um, probably the thing that I love most about this story that has been created is that there's just no way that that can happen without God. Like, we don't have it in us as strong humans to create that community. If we were going to just write a story of um, how can we as humans create a community, we would have written something much more sensible um, and much more achievable with probably more smart goals and realistic things, haven't we? But this is big, um, and so it makes me think that actually, yes, God's fingerprints um, and inspiration is all over it. And so um, with this story in mind, um, we just wanted to um, consider three focuses for our church community, um, three elements that we know God has called us to um, and that we want to see in the coming years. And they are, um, they are around thriving people, 
um, thriving neighborhoods and thriving churches. So we believe that when the kingdom of God comes to a county like ours, we should expect to see these three things. Thriving people, thriving neighborhoods, and thriving churches. And so as we um, spend the next little time unpacking those three focuses, um, I just want to ask you to consider, um, whilst you're listening, um, which one are you most drawn to? Um, What kind of, when we're speaking, do you get the neck tingles or the fire in your belly or the lump in your throat? Listen to what your body is doing as we're talking. Um, What gets you the most excited? Um, Because that is God moving and God speaking to us. Um, So for me, it has to be the first one, thriving people. Um, I love people and love hearing stories and everything. And I be- we believe that right at the core of Jesus's mission and plan um, was a heart to see people set free, to see people healed and restored, invested in and released to be the people that he created them to be. He said it himself um, when announcing why he had come. Jesus said, he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And he said that his purpose was to give you, to give us, a rich and satisfying life. People are at the core of Jesus' mission and his message. Thriving people, life to the full kind of people. And it's so much bigger and better than what this world offers of being the best you that you can be and kind of self-actualization and finding yourself from within yourself. This is bigger and better than that. It's about learning who God is, how he created you, and what he created you for. It's about looking more like him, and in that process, becoming who we really are. And we believe that part of this church's mission, the first step is to meet people where they're at, to welcome them, love them, accept them, and introduce them to Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you have seen me, if you've seen Jesus, you have seen Father God. And we just never want to lose sight of this priority of introducing people to Jesus and leading them into the freedom that comes from knowing him. Now, that looks like all sorts of different things. Um, And in many ways, um, almost everything we do is about giving people an opportunity to meet Jesus and become more like him. Um, But over the next two years, we just want to highlight three things in particular that we want to push in when we're thinking about thriving people. Um, The first is we want to hear weekly stories of ways that people have been meeting Jesus in powerful ways. Whether it's the first time, whether there's been miraculous healing, whether there's been a release from oppression. Um, So we want to hear weekly stories. And so you can expect us to be pushing into and making space for God to move, not just in our Sunday gatherings, but in all our environments um, more in the coming years. Um, The second thing is we want to invest in youth. 
Um, goodness me, teenagers um, are absolutely growing up in a minefield. Um, and so we want both any teenagers that come in this church um, and outside of this building to know the presence of God with them in that minefield, guiding them as they grow up. And so in the next two years, we're going to be starting a youth group. Um, we're going to be starting it in this church, and we're going to be reaching out to schools and neighborhoods, um, bringing the good news of Jesus to them. And finally, thirdly, under thriving people, um, we want to make as many opportunities as possible for people to meet Jesus for the first time. Um, so within the next two years, we want to get into a rhythm of running an alpha course every single term. Um, we have no idea how we're going to achieve that. Um, at the moment, we run it once a year and we've had a brilliant last couple of years of running alpha of people then becoming a home group and exploring um, faith and life with Jesus more um, and we just want to get really serious about people meeting Jesus um, throughout the year rather than just once a year on an alpha course um, and so at the moment the alpha course is the best tool that we have for that and so we want to run termly alpha courses. Um, so there you go, thriving people. We want to see weekly stories of Jesus impacting people powerfully. We want to see a thriving youth generation rising up. And we want to run termly alpha courses as we push into seeing people thrive. Great. Anybody else want to see that? Yes, yes, we're all being very British about the fact we want to see that. That's good. Um, and so that leads really directly onto the second focus for us as a church, which is about thriving neighborhoods. Now, we believe that Jesus' vision for thriving human beings, the ultimate expression of a healthy and fully alive human, is that they are full of love and living for others. In many ways, you could say that everything that's wrong and messed up with this world uh, can be traced back to selfishness and greed, and that Jesus' antidote for that is self-sacrifice and love and generosity so when when we see people thrive they become when they become more of who they are truly are they no longer live for themselves but they live for others and they give themselves away to others Jesus said it himself and he said this is my commandment love each other in the same way that I have loved you there's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends and of course how did Jesus show his love for us but giving himself up for us or perhaps more succinctly when he said when he was asked if he could sum up the most important things that we should take away from the Bible. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second thing you must do is love your neighbor as yourself. So we believe that our neighborhoods, the streets and the estates that we live in, they should be better places because Christians live in them. We believe that there should be a measurable difference because someone who looks like the creator of the world lives next door. This is why we do Super Sundays, why we go out on the first Sunday of every month to love and serve our neighbors in practical ways. It's not a Sunday off. It's an opportunity to show God's love practically and to be formed, formed into a more loving and servant-hearted person. So over the next two years, we want to do more than just once a month uh, make a trip to the local school. We want to wade in and help people who are battling with some really difficult circumstances in our neighborhoods. Um, some of you were here at the end of last term, and you might remember that we ended that term by saying that the moment is now for us to shrug off any feeling of victim status that we might have after the pandemic, that we need to go forward into the new term as Jesus would encourage us as overcomers, as people who are offering hope and joy that can only be found in him. Um, and that looks like reaching out to those in our county who are in desperate need of hope and joy. 
So over the next two years, the things that we want to see, we want to build upon the foundation that we've established with the Cap Debt Center. We've been partnering with other churches and we want to do that more. And what we want to see is we want to double our debt center's capacity in the next two years. So we're doubling the amount of households that we're seeing become debt free. We also want to start budgeting and life skill courses and a job club alongside the, help, the center to help people manage their finances and to help people to not fall into debt in the first place. The second thing we want to do is we want to continue to reach out to refugees and asylum seekers. Some of you may remember last term we started the catchily titled Unity Community, which is kind of an umbrella term for the ways that we are reaching out to our refugee and asylum seeker neighbours. And we started an English conversation club and a Friday football thing, and both of those have got off to a flying start. Um, and we want to just basically keep doing that. We want to keep pushing in, keep building relationships, um, and, and introducing people to Jesus where we can. And finally, this is probably the one I'm most excited about. We want to do something that we started to think about um, just before the pandemic hit. You heard um, Phil and Hannah saying it earlier on. Um, we would love to start a baby bank right here in the center of town, which will act as a middleman between people getting rid of really high quality baby equipment and people who desperately, desperately need them. So we want to start this baby bank right in conjunction with our Vibes toddler group so that people who come to the baby bank can find community in Vibes and the Vibes mums can get involved in running the baby bank. We think there's a really good synergy there. Um, so in the next two years, we want to double the debt centre. We want to keep reaching out to asylum seekers and refugees. And we want to open a baby bank here in the centre of town. Sound good? Yes. Yeah, slight, slight levels of enthusiasm rising. That's good. <laughs> Fab. So... We're coming up to our final third focus. So we want to see thriving people. We want to see thriving neighborhoods. And finally, we want to see thriving churches. We believe that um, the church working in and through people like you and me is God's preferred way of bringing about his plans and purposes in this world. Jesus said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, when Jesus is talking about the powers of hell, he's talking about the injustice, about the corruption and brokenness of this world. And he said, Jesus said, I will build my church against the brokenness of this world. Jesus also said that his kingdom is like a mustard seed, which slowly grows and grows into an enormous tree, which is a blessing to all of those around it. So if the church is about expanding God's kingdom, we can expect to see the church growing too. As more and more people meet Jesus and start living life to the full, as more and more neighborhoods catch the vision and join in, we want to take the vision and the values, the cultures and the practices of this church community, and we want to multiply it across the city, across our county to start new, smaller expressions of Gloucester Vineyard Church all over the place, which don't all look the same, but they share the same vision and the same DNA. We strongly believe that actually, if we want to see the kingdom of God all over this county, oh my gosh, there we go. If we want to see the kingdom of God all over this county, um, the most effective way of doing that is not necessarily in creating one massive hub church, but actually in creating lots of smaller localized communities. 
We want to grow out of this building. Um, we, and when we do, we don't want to look for bigger and bigger spaces. Um, what if, instead of looking for a bigger space, we sent off a little group of people um, to start an expression of Gloucester Vineyard Church where they live? Now, that's quite a bold vision, um, um, but we believe that it is in line with God's natural heart for multiplication, for growth, for the expansion of his kingdom, um, which is actually why we're going to change our little mission statement. So are you ready? We always say we are creating a community which brings hope and joy to Gloucester. It's a big change. Are you ready, guys? From now on, you're going to start hearing us say, as we're more intentional, that we are creating communities which bring hope and joy to Gloucestershire. Um, because we really want to be intentional about that. We don't just want to be creating one community. We want to be creating lots of communities across the whole of our county. And that's going to take a lot <laughs> to achieve that. Um, and in reality, um, planting our new first little community maybe a little while off but we want to start getting ready for it now and so over the next two years alongside what we're already doing in identifying and training up leaders um, we've set ourselves some audacious goals um, we want to start these little communities um, by loving and serving them in practical ways so the first step um, will be that we want to establish more super sundays we want to say in two years time we want to see at least five regular Super Sundays happening on the first Sunday of the month in different locations around our county. And we're excited to say that we're trialing some in October. Ooh. Yeah, okay, thank you. Are you, this is why we do an interaction. This is why we do it every week. Um, in October, um, there are actually going to be three little mini Super Sundays to choose from. Um, one of them will be, as usual, at King's Home Primary School. There will be another one at the football field um, where they'll be doing Friday football um, to just pick up litter, smooth out the potholes um, and make that a better place to play. And the final one will be litter picking in South Gloucestershire in Stroud, where our last alpha group have an online home group and they're all down there anyway winner. Um, so over the years we want to see, um, see little groups popping up all over the place um, wherever God asks us to go next. So that's the first one. And our hope is that these Super Sundays will eventually gather enough folks that we can maybe start some Sunday gatherings in those locations. So in two years time we want to be able to have at least two Sunday gatherings every single week. Now, to some of you, that won't sound like a lot. Um, to others of you who maybe have been involved in church, you'll be like, there's so much things to think about with that. Um, but we believe um, that this is going to be a continual pattern for us as we grow. And so we want to set a goal and go for it. And finally, the third one about thriving churches is that we also want to wade into the student culture of this city um, because a diverse church is a healthy church. Um, and we really feel that we have a part to play in reaching out to the students who live and study in Gloucester. At present, we have the most students attending a Gloucester church. And we don't have very many. We've got about three. Um, <laughs> Um, but this is it. This is the culture of students in Gloucester. They either travel all the way to Cheltenham um, or they don't go at all. Or they travel to Cheltenham for a term, get tired of doing that, 
and don't go back to the church. And so in two years' time, we want to see churches all over the city. We don't care if it's not our church, but we want to see churches all over the city full of students, inviting their friends, reaching out on campus, being discipled and being trained. Um, And in the next few weeks, students are coming to Gloucester. We have a great opportunity in the next few weeks to be part of that, to welcome them, to give them hot food, to be a home from home. Um, Our job is to kind of trip over ourselves to welcome them into a family away from home. Cracking. So, there we have it. Honestly, I'm really glad we're doing this together because I'm not used to talking this much on a Sunday. Normally, you guys do half the work. It's really good fun. So, there we are. There we have it. Um, I hope that for all of us there, there's been something um, that's got our attention, something that's made us excited. It's given you a little bit of fire in the belly or a lump in the throat. You know, as Emily said earlier on, don't ignore that. That is God speaking to you um, about how he's made you. And our question really is, are we listening? And will we step up and step in? Because... At the end of the day, this is not about Emily and I as leaders of this church. It's not really about all of us gathered here together as Gloucester Vineyard. This is about God's kingdom coming in Gloucestershire as it is in heaven. It's about us bringing our story into line with his story. And remember, Jesus' chosen way of working in this world is through us as a church and us as individuals. And all we have to do is say yes and play our part. One of the best pictures of a church um, in the Bible is that it's like a body. And each body has body parts that have to play their part. It says um, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. And so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, talking about diversity there. Some are slaves and some are free, so that's rich and some are poor. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. All of you together are God's body, and each of you is a part of it. So as we land this today, I want us to be asking ourselves, what is my part to play? Maybe you are like Emily, and when she was talking about people thriving, that really got you going. Maybe you get um, a fire in your belly when I was talking about the baby bank uh, or the refugees or the debt centre. Maybe you're about thriving neighbourhoods or maybe you're also a bit like me and you're a bit of a church nerd and you're passionate about thriving churches. And for each of us, wherever we resonate, it's going to cost us something. It's going to take something. It's going to take commitment for us to come along, to get engaged and wade in, give ourselves on the weeks when we want to and give ourselves on the weeks that we don't want to. For each of us, there will be a cost, whether that's our time or our energy or our money or, let's face it, probably all three. Um, And for each of us, it's going to take a commitment to one another as family to love each other, work together, forgive and encourage each other, and just generally be church family together. But that, my friends, is what being a church is all about. So God is inviting us at the beginning of a new term Um, into an exciting adventure, into his vision, his church, seeing his kingdom come. He's inviting us to come and play our part. And the question really is, are we willing? Will we pay the cost?